that we just um, sang about breaking uh, chains. And there's chains that bind us. There's barriers to belief that we all have to deal with. And as we read, as Russ read those two scriptures, uh, we see some barriers. We see some chains that needed to be broken uh, for the townspeople of Nazareth, for Herod, that kept them from experiencing Jesus, that kept them from receiving all that God had for them. And you know, I was um, last. I, I pay a lot of attention to the news in India because I have friends over there. And last week, India was rocked by the murder of a 16-year-old girl on a busy street. And video footage uh, showed dozens of bystanders, and no one intervened. And those who seemed to show concern at first saw that no one else was helping, and so. They shouldn't either. And these kinds of things happen every now and again uh, in many different places and times. But this is an extreme example of something that, again, we experience all the time, that we often base our ideas and we make choices based on what people are doing, what other people are doing or what they're thinking, whether it's people from our hometown, people we know well, or people we tend to follow, like politicians and whatnot. And we see that in our scripture reading today. Now, just to review, uh, that we've been having a lot of things go on, like Pentecost Sunday, and next week will be uh, Children's Sunday, uh, but we're still going through the book of Matthew, and we're in this series as we go through the book of Matthew, and we concluded uh, a section on Jesus' teaching about the kingdom of God through parables. But before that teaching section, if you remember, Matthew highlighted the growing opposition to Jesus as he healed many people, as he cast out demons, as a display that the kingdom of God was present in Jesus. These miracles supported the message, the kingdom of God is at hand. Well, today's scripture Matthew returns to that theme of people rejecting or not understanding Jesus and therefore not receiving all that the kingdom, uh, uh, all that Jesus brings when he brings the kingdom. And we see that people and politicians are often wrong. And so when we follow them, they can lead us astray. We can miss out on what Jesus is offering, just like the townspeople, just like those in Herod's court. So when we see, we see this in that first section in, in the, uh, verse 54, Matthew 13, 54, it says, Jesus came to his hometown and he taught them in their synagogue. So they were astonished and they said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? Are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his household. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. So Jesus' homies, I, mean, I, think, I think we can call them homies, right? They're from his hometown. So these are Jesus' homies. They, they take offense at Jesus. Uh, they thought they knew Jesus because they knew his family. They knew his upbringing. 
And they were offended by Jesus' humanity, by his humility. Wait, we, he's just a, a plain guy. He's, we know his parents. We know his brothers and sisters. You see, they had preconceived notions. They had chains. They had barriers that kept them from seeing Jesus for who he really was. They pictured the Messiah as someone more majestic, someone well-connected. That was a barrier to them, those preconceived notions of who Jesus was and who the Messiah was supposed to be. It kept them from experiencing Jesus. As verse 30, uh, excuse me, uh, chapter 13, this verse 58 says, it says, and Jesus did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Other towns experienced Jesus' power. They heard his teaching. They received it. The, the dead were raised. The lepers were cleansed. People were, their chains were broken. But not in Nazareth. Because they couldn't overcome the barrier. They couldn't break the chain that Jesus, that's just too plain. He's just too human to be the Messiah we've been waiting for. Now, this, of course, brings the connection of, or the, the question about what's that connection between, you know, faith and uh, Jesus doing miracles? Because in other places, Jesus will heal people, even if they don't have a, a, a full belief, even if they don't seem to even know who he is. So what's the connection here? Well, I, I think very simply that if you don't believe, you don't even ask. Whereas we look at other places in the Gospels, people will travel and, and they hear Jesus is in a town. And so they'll travel many miles because they know and they believe that Jesus, he's the Messiah. He can heal me. So I'm going to go to him. So the many crowds that followed him were crowds of people who had some sense of belief. But the people of Nazareth, his homies, they thought, who does Jesus think he is? He's no better than us. He's just, I mean, he's not even from a priestly family. He's not from a prophet's family. He's from a carpenter's family. Where did he get all this? He hasn't gone to rabbinic training. They had a preconceived notion. And then also, that's, so that's one barrier, but then notice another barrier that goes up, and that is what people are saying. Because the people of Nazareth start talking to one another. Wait a minute. It's, now, I thought that he is that carpenter's son, right? Oh, yes, that, that's right. He's the carpenter's son. And then they start talking to one another. And you know what? No one, in, pretty much everyone in Nazareth doesn't think that he's the Messiah. That's what people are saying. So then you have the barrier of their preconceived notions added to a barrier of what people are saying. And it kept them from experiencing all that Jesus had. All these barriers, all these chains kept them, again, from understanding who Jesus is, but then also the decisions that they made to follow him, not follow him, all of that. And then... We come to the next section that Russell read, uh, verses, uh, chapter 14, verse 1 through 12. 
And that, th this section tells us about another wrong concept about Jesus by King Herod. Now, this isn't King Herod the Great. This is his son, Herod Antipas. Just to keep your Herod straight, you know, there's lots of them. Well, we, we read that King Herod hears the news about Jesus. So he hears that Jesus is doing many mighty miracles. And his take on Jesus and who he is is much different than the residents of Nazareth's take. In, in, in verse 2 of chapter 14, after hearing Jesus is doing miracles, Herod says to his servants, this is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. All right, that's a little odd. <laughs> why does he think that? Well, his, Herod's guilty conscience caused him to project his own issues on who Jesus was, which happens also today. But Matthew, he then takes this opportunity to tell, all right, well, how did, what happened to John the Baptist, and why did Herod behead him? And he tells that uh, Her uh, John the Baptist told Herod, it's not right for you to take your brother's wife. Now, Herod, he's the king, so he doesn't like people telling him what to do, so he puts John in prison. Well, Herod has a birthday party, and, you know, what do we do at parties? Well, we do a little dancey dance, sometimes a streaming, waving dancey dance, right? Well, Herod's uh, former niece, now new stepdaughter, does this dance, and he's so happy with her. He says, I'll give you half my kingdom. So she goes to her mother, which used to be Herod's sister-in-law, but now is his new wife, and says, what should I do? And I don't know what kind of birthday party this is, but, I mean, the dancing, that makes sense, but these, these, these people are so vindictive that, they, that she says, well, give me John the Baptist's head on a platter. Now, if they were, why didn't they just make John the Baptist into like a pinata, right? And I mean, couldn't that get their aggressions out on you? No, they take his head. Again, this is a strange birthday party. But what I want to point out is, well, why did Herod agree to that. He puts, he, he, first he puts John in prison, but he doesn't kill him because he's afraid of what the crowd says. And the other gospels tell us that then as Herod heard John the Baptist speaking, then he really didn't want to put him to death because he knew there was something about him. But so why did he give in to these demands? Well, it tells us because of what people were saying. Well, you're the king. You made a promise. And so, in Herod's twisted mind, he was more concerned about what his dinner guests thought of him than upholding justice and morality. So there was a barrier there, what people were thinking. There was a chain there. I don't want people to think I'm a weak king. And then Herod's own guilt, his own ignorance of who Jesus is it caused him to make falsely make that leap that oh this is John the Baptist come back and if you think about it, it it does I mean it doesn't make that much sense but it makes a little bit of sense in that many of John the Baptist's followers follow Jesus because John the Baptist said I'm here I'm the one who's preparing the way for Jesus Herod doesn't know that much but he knows they're connected 
And he knows Jesus is doing some miraculous things. And so he makes that leap. So Herod, like the people of Nazareth, was wrong about who Jesus was, but just wrong in a different way. But in Herod, we have the typical politician making decisions based on what the crowds think, mixed with his own self-centered morality. And the result was wrong thinking and wrong actions. Because the barriers to the right action, people got in the way of that. So that's the, the scripture passage. And I think we can learn a lot from what goes on here. We, we all have barriers. We have chains that keep us from following Jesus for who he really is. And barriers that keep us from making the best choices, from making the right choices. So what do we do? Well, I think it's two simple steps. Is One, first we have to see the barrier, right? That there's a barrier actually there. And then... If that barrier is keeping us from what God wants us to do, then we have to either remove that barrier or go around it. Last year, uh, the city of Holyoke replaced lots of water lines and gas lines, and so my streets were often, there was often barriers. But that was my house. Yeah, like, there's a barrier there, but I got to go to that house, Right? So I'm not going to let that barrier keep me. I mean, yes, if there's a big hole in the street, I'm not going to go down it. But I'm supposed to go there. That's where I live. And so I go around the barrier. What barriers are in front of you? What barriers keep you from making the right decisions, from the right following of Jesus? I'll give you three common barriers that we've seen, that we saw in the scripture. The first is your own, my own preconceived ideas of what God should do or who he should be or who Jesus should be like. And we get these ideas from a variety of places, uh, the people around us. I'll talk about that next. Uh, our experiences what we've been through in life, our own personal issues, all of these things create barriers. So again, those from Nazareth, they thought, no, Christ must be so much more majestic in form and, and in family than this fellow. That preconceived notion was a barrier. Or Herod projecting his own guilt issues upon who Jesus was. We all have these barriers, these chains. And in fact, I don't really have time to go through all the examples because we all have them. We all have several of these preconceived ideas. Just one example is, you know, in our culture, we, the, the highest, the things we value the highest are one, autonomy, but then second is no suffering. And so when God allows suffering, people often say, well, I can't believe in a God who would allow suffering, right? That's a common objection you hear. Why? Because we have this preconceived idea that, that because no suffering is of the highest value to me, I can't understand how God would allow that and still good could come of it. And we can't go into that whole issue, but you see how that is a barrier, that preconceived idea. Or we make decisions based on what will, will cause me the most comfort, 
What will cause me the least suffering? And yeah, none of us want that, but sometimes that's the path that we're actually supposed to be on. But we don't make that decision because that's the barrier. That's the chain. People who grow up with out a father in the home, an absent father. Sometimes they have that issue of, of that, oh, God is absent. If I, when I think of a heavenly father figure, I think of an absent father. So therefore, that barrier is when God's actually working. I, I don't believe he's working. I just think it's coincidence because God really isn't active. Again, there's so many issues, so many preconceived ideas that create barriers for us. So what preconceived Ideas are barriers for you. Again, we all have so many of them. And I ask that during the rest of this service, maybe the Holy Spirit is, is prompting something in your heart and you know, yeah, this is a barrier. And it's probably something that comes up often. What's keeping you from choosing the right path? Identify the barrier and then move it or go around it. Barrier two is when we care what people think versus what God thinks. You know, the, the, the hometown people of Jesus, they were hung up on Jesus' humble origins, but then groupthink, they start telling one another, you know, that, oh, all the people of Nazareth, they, none of us, we know him well, and we don't think he's all that. Herod the king, he made this decision to murder John the Baptist because of what his party guests would think. How often have you let other people determine what you should do? There's so many examples. There's examples every week. As a pastor 20 years, this is something that, that every Sunday we encounter this. We do. So many folks will be like, you know, I, we have prayer during our, our prayer time at the end of the service. I wanted to go for prayer, but no one else was going. If God is prompting you to do something, who cares what other people are doing? Or I wanted to, I was so moved by the, the, the music that I wanted to raise my hands, but no one around me was doing that. Who cares what other people were doing? We, every church has a culture. And you know what culture is? Is what people do. And it affects us in ways that are unbelievable. Again, as a pastor of 20 years, I see it all the time. Every church has a culture, how we do things. And that can be a positive thing as it pushes us to do the right thing, but it also can be a negative thing where we care more about what people think than what God thinks. It's just an example. See, a crowd can be a barrier. I mean, if you've ever been on a subway, a crowded subway, I think we have a picture of a crowded subway there. Because I know we, people that live in the rural areas or the suburbs aren't used to the subways. But on a subway, when it's packed, and you know, I need to, I need, that's my stop, and you're in the middle. The crowd is a huge barrier. I got to get through all these people to get where I'm supposed to go. The crowd can be a barrier to where we need to go. 
It can be a barrier from choosing a hard path too, a path where, oh, this is where the crowd is going, but I know I'm not supposed to go that way. I'm supposed to go through and over to what God is doing because the crowds in our culture are saying so many things. So many examples. Like in our culture, if someone, you know, is mean to you, even if you're a Christian, you think, well, they were mean to me, so that gives me warrant to be mean to them as well. That's what the crowd does, but that's not what Christians are supposed to do. Didn't Jesus say, turn the other cheek? Didn't Jesus say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you? Oh, that's not what people do. You're right, it's not. That's a barrier. Everyone has sex outside of marriage now. Not a big deal. That's what people do. But according to God's word, no, that's, that's something for marriage. It's a barrier. It's a chain where people push us to do those things. But God tells us, no, don't go down that path. Go down this path. But well, this path, there's barriers there. But the answer is not, because in our postmodern era, one of the things we do is like, yes, we shouldn't have people tell us what to do, especially because we value autonomy so much. The answer is not to replace the crowds with self, because that's the postmodern answer, right? Or you find a crowd of people on the internet to, pre, to, to validate your preconceived notions, because you can find anything on the internet. You can find people who will agree with you even if you think Jesus is John the Baptist risen from the dead. I'll bet if you Google that, you'll find someone who's making that argument. So that's the other choice is we're like, okay, I'll do, I've got my preconceived notions. I'm going to do what I want. And look, I can find all of these people who agree with me. But no, the answer is not to replace the crowd with self. Because after all, you and I, we are just, a, I'm just a person. I'm just as finite and fickle as the people in the crowd. Because the people in the crowd are made up of people like us. So we don't want to replace the crowd with self either. No, we need a foundation, a ground of being based on truth beyond ourselves. That's found in Jesus. That's found in his kingdom. Follow him. Don't let the barriers keep you from following him. Don't let the barriers cause you to choose a path that goes away from Jesus instead of into Jesus, into his kingdom, into the miraculous, into the transformed lives, into being different than the crowds. Choose Jesus. Don't let those barriers keep you from that. Third barrier, quickly. Politics can be a barrier. Herod reminds us how politicians are beholden, again, mostly, to the crowds and to their own power and ego. So if you follow them, that'll often put a barrier to following Jesus. Or it may influence you to do certain things or not do certain things. So, oh, you know, Donald Trump says it's true and I should do this, so I should do it. Or he says to do it, so I shouldn't do it. Or Joe Biden says this, so it must be true. Or this is what I should do. 
Are your politics putting up barriers to you following the real Jesus? Do you make decisions based on, oh, these are the type of people I agree with, so therefore I have to agree with them. I have to do what they do. Oh, I have to not like those people that, because they, we need to not like the same people. Politics is just people using power to influence. And they're people, so they're often wrong. So what do we do? Don't allow the barriers to keep you from going to Jesus and entering his kingdom. He is the foundation. He is the truth beyond people, beyond our preconceived notions, beyond politics, beyond self. So what does that look like? Well, go to the source daily. Daily, go to the source. That's Jesus. If we are meant to follow Jesus, if he is our ground, he is the Messiah. If we believe in him to be the one to bring miracles and transformation into our life, then go to him daily. Pray for guidance. Pray for his power. Now, scripture is his standard. The same Holy Spirit we say we want to follow. Breathe the scriptures. Surround ourselves with the crowd of witnesses. Hebrews 11 talks about the mighty crowd of witnesses. Those who have uh, witnessed to God's power, to who God is, to his work in history. It lists them in Hebrews 11. Go read that. That's our homework. Um, follow the crowd of witnesses instead of the crowds of our culture. The crowds that are trying to get us to go there or there or putting a barrier. Live by Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Daily go to him. And if you daily go to him, then the path to him, every day you're breaking down, moving barriers, making sure that that path is clear. The other thing is gather weekly for accountability. It's easier, yes, sometimes people get in the way and are a barrier, but then sometimes they help us, especially when you're truly accountable to people. It's not just the crowd, but it's people you have a relationship with, like your church family. We, it's easier to remove barriers with other people. When I lived in New Salem, I would often go hiking in the Quabbin Reservoir area, and every road has a gate, and a gate number, right? And often the DCR, the Department of Conservation and uh, Recreation, they would come, and if they had to, you know, go past the barrier, it was a lot easier if there was two people in the truck. Because one would drive and stop, the other person would come, open the barrier, the guy would drive through, he'd close the barrier, get in. But if the guy was alone, it would take twice as long. He'd have to stop, turn off his car, you know, do all this stuff. Barriers are a lot easier to see and to overcome with other people. When I'm driving in a place that I don't know, um, it's so nice to have someone with me to say, oh, did you, wait, that, that road's closed. Did you see that barrier? Sometimes I'll just drive right into them. <laughs> so gather, gathering what we're doing now, not just in a crowd, but in real relationships. That helps us see the barriers and remove the barriers. And then finally, 
we need to check our hearts. We need to ask, why am I doing what I am doing? Is it because of a preconceived notion? This is how I was brought up. Is it because of the crowd? No, this is what everyone's doing, so this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Or are we doing it because God is prompting us, because the word of God and the spirit of God come together, solidify, and show us, yeah, that's the path I need to go on even though there's a bear, I gotta bust it. But oftentimes, we are too busy for that. We are too busy for quiet reflection. Because you know, when there's a bear, if you're in a hurry and you see a bear, you're just, you, you don't stop and like, hmm, does that bear, do I need to go around it? You're just like, oh, I'm, I'm in a hurry. All right, I'll go around it. I'll go around. I'll find another way. When you're too busy. That's what so many of us, we run here, we run there. We don't make time for quiet reflection. We just accept that barrier instead of saying, why is that barrier there? But we need that time to ask ourselves, why? Why am I doing this? Don't let the crowds, don't let politics, don't let your preconceived notions put up barriers to you making the decision to follow Jesus with all that you have. Because when we do, the miraculous happens. The people in Nazareth, they didn't experience the miraculous, but the other towns, they experienced Jesus' power. They, lives were transformed. Miracles happened because they understood who Jesus was and they took a step towards him. Let us do the same today. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you move about this place as we are about to enter into the Lord's Supper? Would you be showing the barriers in our hearts, Lord, in my heart, showing us the chains that we are binding us, Lord, that we have been letting those things get in our way become barriers because of our unbelief. Lord, our unbelief that you can make a way, our unbelief in you that you can truly fill the empty place in our hearts, the unbelief that we have that if we follow your way, no matter what the world says, it is good and it is the right way to go. Holy Spirit, remove this unbelief from us. Remove these barriers so that we can follow you in all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.